0: This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 90. I'm Jim Gearty. Today's episode, what constitutes coaching during a deposition? Hey, everybody, I hope you're having a great week and doing great things in your depositions, whether taking or defending or both. As you know, I'm the author of the best-selling practice guide on deposition strategies and tactics. The book is called 10,000 Depositions Later, the premier litigation guide for superior deposition practice. And of course, I'm the host of this podcast. We've been very fortunate to have gained a huge number of new listeners in the last 12 months. And if you're one of those brand new listeners, I'll share with you that I've been practicing for more than 35 years in a very high volume civil practice in a practice specialty that is fact intensive and so also deposition intensive. So in my firm, we developed a mindset many years ago that we were going to become a deposition laboratory. Depositions are the only place in virtually all civil cases where the witnesses will testify. So depositions, without question, are the most critical piece of your testimonial and evidentiary puzzle. Civil trials are rare. Most studies show that trials occur in well under 5% of American civil litigation. So, the purpose of the books and this podcast is to share expertise with you that, in many cases, you would not otherwise gain without decades of experience. I've now taken more than 20,000 depositions in my career, and I've always made it a point to constantly experiment with new strategies and tactics, and to make sure that I and the lawyers in my firm were always 10 steps ahead of our adversaries in the way that we take and defend depositions. You know, there was a famous mentalist, uh, Joseph Dunninger, who practiced at the highest level of his art. A mentalist is essentially a magician who appears to be using hypnosis, mind control, or special memory tricks in front of the audience. Now, anyway, Dunninger was once asked how he so spectacularly performed his feats, and his response was that it wasn't anything uh, that a 12-year-old child couldn't do with 30 years practice. But deposition skills don't have to be acquired solely through the passage of time in hands-on deposition experience over decades and decades. They can be developed, they can be acquired simply through the sharing of information by someone who's done it. And of course, if you're looking to someone for deposition guidance, you always want to make sure that you're gaining the knowledge, the insight, the tips from folks that have been doing it at the highest levels of deposition practice for decades. And that's where we come in. Joseph Dunninger would not share the secrets of his success. And so many of them were lost with his passing. But we take the opposite view. We freely share our strategies and tactics honed to perfection across hundreds of 1000s of depositions over many years. Now, in the era of the internet, you will find virtually every conceivable piece of advice you could ever imagine thinking about regarding depositions on a website somewhere. Inevitably, you do your due diligence. You find that the person sharing those insights actually has exceedingly limited experience and that their recommendations have obvious flaws even at first blush, more that become apparent once you actually put their tips into play and many of which can cost you the outcome of your case. In sharp contrast, none of our strategies are repeated to you secondhand Or read to you, copied from somewhere else. They are all our own battle tested ideas brought to you in a way that allows you to implement them immediately, regardless of your years of experience. All right, on to the episode. One of the most common questions I get is what exactly is coaching a witness while a deposition is in progress? And that comes up because oftentimes you may be conducting an examination of a witness and the opposing lawyer you feel is interfering with the examination. And when you call them out on it, the first response you get is, no, it isn't. That's not coaching. The short answer is that coaching is just about any verbal or nonverbal conduct by a defending lawyer that is intended to alter, expand, shorten, or modify the deponent's response. Think of the deponent as a bumper car. Coaching occurs when a defending lawyer attempts to function as guide rails that determine where the car goes, where the answer goes or doesn't. A defending lawyer's job in a deposition is to simply observe and monitor the testimony and to make proper objections where appropriate. Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 30C1 says in part that, the examination and cross-examination of a deponent proceed as they would at trial close quote. There's some more language, but uh, that's the basic point. And a supermajority of states follow the federal rules. So they either mirror this language or have something very similar. One state we looked at had a slight variant. It said that the examination and cross examination of witnesses may proceed as permitted at the trial, but same concept. So in evaluating whether your adversary is actually engaging in coaching behavior, improper coaching behavior, A simple test is to ask this. If you were in trial questioning the same witness in front of the judge and jury, could the defending lawyer say or do whatever they're doing right now? That's a pretty good rough gauge. If I'm in the middle of questioning a witness in the courtroom, could the opposing lawyer stand up and say, Jim, are you asking the witness this or are you asking the witness this? The answer seems painfully obvious, doesn't it? There's no way that a judge would allow a lawyer to do that in the middle of your examination. If I'm in trial, could the opposing lawyer in the middle of my examination say, she's already answered that, move on to your next question? Of course not. In the middle of a trial examination, could the opposing lawyer stand up after I finish my question and blurt out to the witness, if you know, if you understand the question? Again, no. Last, imagine a witness on the stand answers my question, yes or no, and then begins to add some additional information at which the opposing lawyer stands up and blurts out, you've already answered that, or he or she's already answered that, and tells the witness not to go any further, cuts the uh, witness's answer off. Obviously, none of these comments by the lawyer would be appropriate in a trial, and so none of them are appropriate in your deposition. They are all examples of improper coaching. Lawyers that engage in improper coaching will often challenge you the minute you tell them to stop it. And again, the most common reaction is to say they aren't coaching the witness. As if to suggest that the only thing that really counts as coaching is to explicitly tell the witness how to answer a question. Example, question from the examining lawyer. What did you do next? Defending lawyer speaks up and says, you should say that what you did next was to make a complete stop, that you looked left and right, and that you then proceeded cautiously to turn right onto Sunset Boulevard. Well, obviously that's coaching but the definition is just so much broader improper coaching during the deposition itself is almost anything that goes beyond a non-argumentative and non-suggestive proper legal objection that includes commentary about the question that's from the neurontin case it includes asking you as the examining lawyer to explain what the question means because the lawyer says he or she doesn't understand again from the neurontin case it includes guidance to the witness like if you know if you can answer if you understand the question that's neurontin and the friedman case directives to the witness such as don't speculate don't guess again from neurontin Nonverbal behavior behaviors such as when a lawyer is sitting next to the deponent but within eyesight of the witness and when the lawyer shakes their head yes or no at the moment that you've asked a yes or no question so the witness can obviously see the guidance from the opposing lawyer. Or table tapping, foot tapping, physical contact with the witness such as grabbing the witness's arm the minute that you ask a question as if to suggest to the witness that there's something wrong with the question without the defending lawyer actually saying so. Another example, interpreting questions for the deponent rather than allowing the witness to answer the question that was asked. That's the big top case where a lawyer defending the deposition said to the deponent, he basically wants to show that the statement you made about customers is that they were satisfied with customers, that it wasn't fraudulent, and that they didn't tell a lie. That's where he's going with this. Do you see it? Did you hear what I said? That kind of guidance, obviously, improper coaching. Another example, excessive breaks during the deposition so the lawyer, the defending lawyer, can confer with the witness, following which the answers may change in important ways or changing a deponent's words to form a more convenient record such as, well, what the witness is telling you, Mr. Edwards is. Another example is when a defending lawyer prevents the witness from adding information that goes beyond the scope of the question. That's the Soken S-O-K-N, and Friedman cases. Example from Soken. here's what the examining lawyer said, what the witness said, and what the defending lawyer said. Examining lawyer, so you never sat down listened to the audio tapes and then approved a written document that discussed what happened on the tapes answer no we don't hear then the witness was interrupted by the defending lawyer no no no. you answered the question witness sorry examiner you don't hear what witness nothing examiner well you started to say something finish your thoughts please defending lawyer that's not a question i'll object you don't have to answer Similar example from the Friedman case. Uh, In that situation, the examining lawyer asked a question of the deponent, and the witness responds by saying that he wanted the examiner to clarify the question, saying, quote, I'm not confused. I want you to ask the correct question, end quote. When the examining lawyer says, well, tell me what the correct question is, the defending lawyer interrupted by saying, stop, proceed with your next question. Well, the judge in that case ruled that when the lawyer told the witness to stop, to stop adding to his answer, when the lawyer did that in the middle of the answer, that was tantamount to an instruction not to answer the question. And the judge said, because this question, this colloquy, didn't meet the criteria, the limited criteria for a lawyer to be able to instruct the deponent not to answer, it was improper behavior. All right, in the 2011 Neurontin case, here's what the judge had to say about a law firm and a lawyer that had been admitted pro hoc vice into the case to represent the defendants in an antitrust action. And uh, those lawyers are referred to as PHV counsel, in this case, for pro hoc vice. Judge says, quote, in fact, even the simplest of questions became an opportunity for PHV counsel to interject information to share with the deponent, to add to the deponent's answers." To contribute his own nuanced views of the testimony, facts, pleadings, or the criminal information, notwithstanding the deponent's answers. To interrupt plaintiff's counsel mid-question. To express his umbrage at having to defend the antitrust defendant's denials. And by making speaking objections. By the court's count, more than 20% of the transcript is taken up by PHB counsel speaking during the deposition. PHV counsel sought to interpose what was tantamount to testimony so often that the plaintiff's counsel quipped that PHV counsel was acting as if he was the deponent. In some, PHV counsel turned the deposition from a question and answer conversation between the deposing lawyer and the witness into an example of how not to comply with Rule 30C. So if you're not sure about what constitutes coaching, These are excellent examples of the most common violations. The Neurontin case in particular is frequently cited by courts and lawyers on the topic of improper coaching. So coaching during deposition testimony is a very broad uh, concept. There's no need for a defending lawyer to act as an intermediary interpreting questions, deciding which questions the witness should answer, and helping the witness formulate answers. So a few final questions, Uh, how much to tolerate and when to draw the line if you're encountering coaching in a deposition? As you've heard me say, I have a true zero tolerance attitude toward coaching. For the most part, as litigators, we get exactly one crack at a witness. If defending lawyers are allowed to coach, they can literally destroy our cases. So we can't have it. Generally speaking, the minute a defending lawyer engages in anything in my depositions that even remotely resembles coaching, I'll pause the questioning, turn to the defending lawyer, and ask them to stop it. I make an issue out of it on the first occurrence. Now, there are rare occasions with lawyers that I know and trust where they may ask me to clarify something before the witness has given an answer that I know from my experience with the lawyer is a heartfelt and genuine effort to get me a better answer. But except for those circumstances, I just don't tolerate witness coaching by any lawyer under any circumstances, nor should you. Once you get a reputation as a lawyer with a zero tolerance policy on this, lawyers will stop it. Conversely, if you get a reputation as a lawyer that does allow it, it will never go away. And here's my last thought for the episode. Coaching in a way is simply deposition prep on the fly. It's preparing the witness while the deposition is in progress. As you know, I invest heavy time and resources and recommend that you do too, into preparing witnesses before the depositions start. That includes detailed discussions about every facet of the case, of the witnesses, of the pleadings, of the discovery that we know about to date, and about the deposition process, including the questions that are likely to be asked and the lawyer's particular style. I also recommend several practice runs for your witnesses through mock hostile cross-examination. Lawyers, on the other hand, who engage in routine and persistent coaching most often are the lawyers who simply didn't take the time to prepare their clients beforehand. So they arrive at the deposition with an unprepared deponent, and the only way, the only option they have now to protect their case is to actively interfere with the testimony, and that's called coaching. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll talk to you again next time.